um, one of our practices that we are trying to implement in the life of our church is with every series, there's a, a passage of scripture that relates to that series that we're trying to memorize. And I want to push you to that again. And, and it's been a couple of weeks since I've mentioned it. But uh, the, the, the verse that I want us to memorize through the series and the parables is Luke chapter 8, verses 9 through 11. And it's an interesting passage. It's a passage that we would often overlook and maybe not put to memory um, when it comes to, uh, uh, you know, it's not a popular verse to memorize. But Luke uh, 8, 9 through 11, Jesus had started his parables and um, and the disciples were curious about him, and, and, and Jesus said this, when his disciples asked him what this parable meant, Jesus said, to, to you it has been given to know the secrets of the kingdom of God. But to others, they are written in parables, so that seeing they may not see, and hearing they may not understand. And, and that's an that's a interesting passage to memorize for us, because in this, Luke is, is and, and Jesus was, Luke was writing what Jesus said, but, but Jesus was referring to Isaiah chapter, chapter 6. When Isaiah said there's going to be God's people, they're going to have eyes, but they're not going to see. They're going to have ears, but don't understand. And it's interesting because the parables, we think, well, th- this is a way to explain the kingdom of God, and that would be true. It is a way. The parables were, were uh, for those that follow Jesus, for those that understand Christ as Lord, the parables do give us insight into the kingdom of God. But those that are rebellious against God, their heart is set on disobedience to the Lord and dishonoring the Lord, these parables will be confusing. And so it's really important to recognize and pay attention to our heart and our posture when we come to the Lord. Because sometimes we come to the Lord and we have eyes, but we don't want to see what he says, what he, what he wants us to see. We have ears, but we don't want to hear what he wants us to hear. And, and this is the struggle of God's people and people in the world. And, and, and it's important for us to recognize that when, when Jesus entered the world, what he was doing, one of the things he was doing was, was helping us understand the kingdom of God. That God's kingdom has come to us, and, and, and he's giving us this kingdom. He's preparing us for this kingdom, and the kingdom of God speaks of something that is right now for us because we can hear his voice, and, and we come, and his spirit is guiding us and instructing us and leading us. But, um, but the kingdom of God also refers to something that is coming in our lives is when, we, when we stand before the Lord. And, and, and it's important every time we look at each parable that we recognize what's going on around it. Why did Jesus tell this parable? And what's going on in this moment? And, and, and right here, you see again Jesus having this recurring message that we need to be kingdom-minded. We need to live with eternity in mind. And I'm amazed at how often I meet people, and even in my own life, I'm tempted to just live for this world. And we're not supposed to do that. We're called to live with the kingdom in mind. Live with eternity in mind. Live with the reality that one day we're going to stand before the Lord. That one day we're going to see the Lord. And so we need to, we need to live that way. And, and, and so this is really what, what Jesus is, is doing before he tells this parable of the watchful servants. Now look, um, look at verse 32 in chapter 12. He starts out. He says, fear not, little flock, for it is your father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. 
It is God's pleasure, his good pleasure, to give us the kingdom of God. Then he says, sell your possessions and give to the needy. Provide yourselves with money bags that do not grow old, with a treasure in the heavens that does not fail. So what's he saying here? He's saying, look, recognize that you need to to have a proper view of your stuff. Don't don't let your disworldly pursuits drive your heart, drive your life. And, And all through the parables, we see this recurring message of live with eternity in mind. Have a proper view of, of what we have. And that's important because, especially in the United States, so many live for our possessions and their identity, their, their self-worth is in what they drive or where they live or how much they have. And God is saying, look, that's, you're missing the point. Live where, where uh, invest in money bags that don't grow old. Isn't that interesting? with um, um, treasures in heaven that do not fail. That's amazing. Um, Then he says, where no thief approaches and no moth destroys. So we're to be these people that are are making kingdom investments. And then what he says, verse 34, this famous verse that we've, most of you, a lot of you could quote this. He says, for where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. And so what God and what Jesus is doing here, he's moving, challenging the disciples to, to really evaluate where their heart is. Is your heart in treasure, earthly treasure, is it, or is it in kingdom treasure? And that's a good question for us. This is a recurring message all through the parables. And, and you know, it moves me to, to wrestle through this um, this call, I believe, we have as a church. And this is, this is a, a, a consistent prayer that I'm praying for our church. And it's this, point number one is this, that, that I believe God is moving our church towards genuine financial maturity. And folks, I'll be honest with you, I don't think we're mature when it comes to the way we honor the Lord with our, with our, with our giving and our money. And, and the reason, the, the evidence just doesn't show that. Do you realize that if, if our church lived up to the, the tithe of the average income in our city, right here, do you know that our budget would be doubled? I mean, I mean, when you look at the average tithing of our church, I don't think, I don't believe we are a church that really tithes. So think about that. That means most of us don't trust the Lord with our finances. And this is what Jesus is saying to his disciples. Guys, you've got to make sure you evaluate where your treasure is. And as I pray for our church, uh, you know, it's interesting because I meet pastors all the time. that, And, and I, I would say we've handled our money pretty well because we're not in debt as a church. And God has blessed us with a remodel of, a, of the Fellowship Hall, with the building of the mission and, and, you know, the renovation of Calvary. And we've done all that with cash. And that's a blessing. We've not gone into debt for that. But the reality is we're still not mature financially. And that stings a little bit for us, but it's the truth. And so as I pray for us, one one of the ways to move to financial maturity is you obey the Lord with your tithe. I'm thankful that I had parents and Robin had parents 
that taught us the, that, that, look, you can't out-give you can't out God. You don't rob him. And, and when I think about uh, our next step as a church, there, there must be evidence of generous giving. And I pray this is what we're, that's a mark of us. That, that we, are, we are tithers. Malachi 3.10 says this. says, bring the whole tithe into the storehouse. There must, there, there must be food in my house. Test me in this, says the Lord Almighty, and see if I will not throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing that you would not have room for it. And, and I really believe, and I said this in the video that I made a couple of weeks ago, that, that, that when, when I tithe, it takes care of my past. Because I'm saying that, that God, I realize that everything I have is from you. And, and I trust you, and, and out of, and today, our, my family tithed because, God, you have already given to us. And so out of gratitude, we've done this. Um, I, I mean, I'm grateful for how he's provided. Tithing also takes care of my present. It, it, it's a statement of priority. It's, it's me saying, God, you are number one in my life, even with my finances. And, and this is a reality. Tithing also takes care of my future. It's a, it's a proclamation of God's upcoming provision for me. And, and I pray we learn how to tithe. There, are, there, there needs to be evidence of generous giving in your life. And we, ought to have, we, we need to look at that. That's what Jesus is moving his disciples to embrace. You know, when, when it comes to financial maturity, there's not only uh, evidence of general, generous giving, but there, there also should be evidence of wise savings. You know, there's a reason that our church, we're saving at this point 5.5% of our budget. And, and we should be, at a, in our personal lives, in our corporate lives as a church, we should be saving in advance for things. And, and, and like building projects, that should be in advance. Every pastor I know that their church is in debt, they're busting their tail to get out of it. But then they get right back into it. If we just tithe, we would never have a building campaign ever again. You realize that? Ever. And wise savings is, is, is a reality. There's, there's also, if we're going to be financially mature, there is a practice of appropriate living. Proverbs 1.5 says, plan carefully and you'll have plenty, but if you act too quickly, you'll never have enough. And, and, and the reality is we, we've got to live right. And that's why I look at verse 34 in Luke 12. Jesus is moving the disciples to this evaluation for where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. And I think it's a good practice for us to evaluate where is our heart? Is our heart trusting the Lord? And one of those places, especially um, for those of us that have been given so much, we tend to put our treasure in, our, in what we can provide rather than the Lord. I want to challenge you. Let's move. Let's challenge us to move to financial maturity. But then Jesus turns to this parable of the watchful servants, and look what he says, verse 35. Stay dressed for action and keep your lamps burning and be like men who are waiting for their master to come from the wedding feast so that they may open the door to him at once when he comes and knocks. Now, who are we? The Bible calls us the bride of Christ, right? We are the bride of Christ. Our groom is coming. And Jesus says right here, hey, let me tell you something. The groom is coming. Be ready and be alert. And that when he comes, you're ready to open the door for him. And that's a little weird for us dudes in here because we're like, I'm, you know, I'm the bride of Christ. And, and, but, but we are. That's what the church is. 
And we're to be waiting for him. Verse 37, blessed are those servants whom the master finds awake when he comes. I mean, we're to be awake. And I love this analogy that, that I, mean, I, I mean, there are times that I'm up here preaching and I see people falling asleep, right? I mean, you know, drool coming down a little bit, you know. And uh, no, I'm, just, I'm just kidding, I haven't seen too many droolers. Just don't snore, please. If you fall asleep, don't snore. But, um, but, but you know, the, the truth is, um, we're to be awake. There are many churches that li- are living asleep. And it's my prayer that we are a church that's awake. And he says to them, Blessed are those servants whom the master finds awake when he comes. Truly I say to you, he will dress himself for service and have them recline at the table, and he will come and serve them. Look at what he says. When Jesus comes back, he's going to be dressed up, and he's going to come and serve us. Oh, my goodness, I don't want to miss that. I don't want to be asleep when that happens. And then he says, it's amazing to me that, that, that God himself will come and serve us. Oh, my goodness. And if he comes in the second watch or the third watch and finds them awake, blessed are those servants. Verse 30, 39, but know this, that if the master of the house had known at what hour the thief was coming, he would not have left his house to be broken into. Now, we can relate to that, right? I mean, if I knew someone was going to break into my house, guess what I'd be doing? I'd be getting, not my dog, I'd borrow somebody else's dog, and I'd be sitting there at the front door going, come on, buddy, break in my house. And, and, and you know, we're to be ready. That's what he says. Verse 40, you also must be ready for the Son of Man is coming at an hour that you do not expect. Okay, let me ask you this question. Do you believe Jesus is going to come back this afternoon? I mean, think about it. You might be going, well, I think he's coming back, but not this afternoon because like, there's a football game on and like, I don't think he's going to come back this afternoon. Well, the reality is that's when you probably, this afternoon, we better be ready. Because what does he say right here? He's going to come when we don't expect it. Now, point number two is this. We are to live every day expecting the return of Christ. Now, you know that, right? We're to expect it. Now, what should we expect? What should we be looking for? Well, flip over to 1 Thessalonians 4. We're going we're to camp here for a second. 1 Thessalonians chapter 4 says this, verse 13. But we do not want you to be uninformed, brothers, about those who are asleep, that you may not grieve as others who have no hope. This is referring to someone who dies. We shouldn't uh, be uninformed about those who die. And, and when we grieve as Christians, we, we don't grieve like those without hope. Now, here's what we need to be look, looking for, and it's this. We need to be looking for a physical reentry of Christ to the earth. You realize that's going to happen someday. There will be a physical reentry of Christ to this earth. Now, the Bible says it like this, you know, that, that there's going to be several things that are going to be taking place. I, I just texted a pastor friend of mine who, uh, uh, he's in Israel with his, with his church, and I've been praying for him this week. And, and, uh, and, and you know, the, the fact that he's in Israel is one of those moments where God said that his people will come back together. And in 1948, the nation of Israel was formed again. That's a big moment. 
and prophecy. Now, the reality is there, that, that was one thing that had to happen. And Matthew 24 talks about chaos will be in the world and, and there'll be all kinds of, of crazy things happening. And I, I haven't seen the news. I, all I know when I left my house today, I get a little message, the president's going to talk today. And I haven't, I've been busy today, so I hadn't ta- heard what he said. But I don't know. Don't tell me. I'll find out later. But, but the bottom line is there's chaos around this. Matthew 24 talks about this. 2 Timothy 3, you know what it says? 1 through 5 says, but mark this, there will be terrible times in the last days. It says people will be, uh, it will be times of difficulty. People will be lovers of themselves, lovers of money, proud, boastful, arrogant, abusive, disobedient to their parents, it says. Um, it said it'll be, they'll be ungrateful, unholy, heartless, uh, unpassable. It says, the the ESV says, without self-control. These are the characteristics of the last days. People will be brutal and and not loving the good, uh, treacherous, reckless, swollen with conceit, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God. That's That's what the climate of the last days will be. And folks, let me tell you, um, it says, and look at 1 Thessalonians 4, 16. It says, for the Lord himself will descend from heaven with a cry of command, with the voice of the archangel, and with the sound of the trumpet of God, and the dead in Christ will, lie, will, will rise first. Notice that says, the Lord himself will come. There will be a physical reentry of Christ to this planet, to this earth. And we're to be ready for that. That's got to be something we pay attention to. Jesus is not sending an angel. He's coming himself. You know, what else should we see? We should expect a, a resurrection of believers who've died. Now, that'll, be, that'll wake you up, won't it? Look at verse 14, 1 Thessalonians 4. For since we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so, through Jesus, God will bring with him those who have fallen asleep. For this we declare to you by the word from the Lord, that we who are alive, who are left until the coming of the Lord, will not precede those who have fallen asleep. For the Lord will will himself will descend from heaven with a cry of command, the voice of the archangel, and the sound of the trumpet of God, and the dead in Christ will rise first. Now folks, you think that'll mess you up when you stand by a cemetery when that happens. You know, people coming from, they've died in the ocean, they'll be swimming. You're like, dude, they're swimming. Are you kidding me? I mean, this is going to make a difference when Jesus comes. And, but, but you may sit here and go, well, what about Christians when Jesus returns? Well, thank you for asking that question. I'm so glad you did. Because one of the things you can expect, anticipate a rapture of, the, of all the Christians who are still alive. Now look at this. Look at verse 17. Then we who are alive, if we are alive in that moment, all who are left will be caught up together in the clouds. To meet the Lord in the air. And so we will always be with the Lord. Therefore, encourage one another with these words, Paul writes to the Thessalonians. Now, that word caught up, that's kind of what it means, that raptured up. Jesus explained it this way in Matthew 24, that 40 and 4 through 42, he says, Two men will be working in a field, one will be taken, the other will be left. Two women will be grinding at the mill, one will be taken, the other will be left. And then he says that Jesus said, Therefore, stay awake, so that for you do not know what day your Lord is coming. He says, We're to stay awake. Now, here's the reality. Here's the 
Here's the modern version of that. Someone will be like we were last night. Uh, I had my 30th uh, high school reunion last night. That's crazy. 30 years ago, I graduated high school, and I walked into that room. I'm like, man, you people look old. And um, then, I, then I realized, oh, I don't have any hair either, and I'm gray, and oh my, maybe I look old. And, uh, but, but, you know, time goes fast, doesn't it? Well, here, here as we were driving home, Here's what it's going to be like. Semi-driver driving down the road. And boom, that driver's gone. And that truck comes to a stop. You know, some high school kid will be going to take a test. And they'll be walking into the test. And then they won't have to take the test. How many of you prayed for that in your life, right? Lord, come right now, please come. Or like, like, Brad Ayler was praying last night. You know, that, that quarterback drops back to take a pass, and, and that pass, and the receiver's gone. Oh, my goodness. Brad was like, when OU was losing, Lord, come, last, come, please. But, but you know, can you imagine that? The, the, I mean, that's what it's going to be like. That's what, that's what Jesus says. That, that, what a commotion. What a, what a crazy moment. And how fast will it happen? Well, it's in the twinkling of an eye. 1 Corinthians 15, 51 through 52. Listen, I tell you a mystery. We will not all sleep, but we will all be changed in a flash, in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trumpet. For the trumpet will sound, and the dead will be raised imperishable, and we will be changed. Folks, we've got to recognize Jesus is returning. And we're to be awake we're to be ready. This is why we're to be investing in kingdom things. We're, this doesn't mean we shouldn't have nice stuff or nice things or live in a house and we shouldn't sell all of our houses today. What we should do is invest in the kingdom. Make sure we're living in a way that honors God in our lives. Now, look at verse 41, back to Luke 12. Look at this. Peter said... Lord, are you telling this parable for us, for us or for all? And the Lord said, Who then is the faithful and wise manager whom his master will set over his household to give them their portion of food at the proper time? Look at verse 43. Blessed is that servant whom, the master, whom his master will find doing so when he comes. Truly I say to you, he will set him over all his possessions. Now, we always have to be careful when interpreting parables and not to get too creative because Jesus is telling this story. And, and I've had too many people, I've, I've seen people that, that go into too much detail. But So let's, let's make sure that the main things, like Alistair Begg says, the main things are the plain things. Let, let's make sure we notice the plain things here. What is he saying? And all through the parables, you see this, that Jesus is saying, pay attention when I come back, because as a believer, as a follower of Christ, the way you live, what you do matters. Live in a way that pleases the Lord. And this is the push. This is the challenge. And, and it's almost like James 1.12. That, that's an interesting verse to me, because it, it talks about the crown of life that, that for those who suffer. That, that when they die, they'll, they'll, they'll receive the crown of life. And the crowns in Scripture are these, these moments that we will honor the Lord and give back to the Lord uh, just our service to Him on the earth. 
And, and you know, it's interesting because um, I, I think all the really great ideas of humanity come from God. I really believe that. And, and one of the greatest things that all through history have that we have done as hum, humans is we've honored our soldiers. And, and we've, we, uh, that's why I'm, I'm, I'm touched every time I'm at a funeral of a soldier and they play taps and present the flag to the, to the survivors. That just moves me every time. Well, uh, several, last year I think, um, uh, Maggie, my, my youngest daughter, had, um, had an assignment at her, at her school, and she had to interview a, a Vietnam veteran. And I said, well, let's call Ed Henson. He's in our church. Let's call Ed. So we go over to Ed's house. And, um, and so we, we walk in the door and say, Ed, can, can Maggie just interview you? And I just want to hear. And she asked him all these questions, and it was just a fascinating uh, realization. Ed's a war hero. He's in our church. I mean, and, and, you know, he, he said, come here, I want to show you this. We walk into his little study, and on the wall is his, um, his ba- like the, the badge that he wears on his jacket. And I just look at it as a, civil- as a civilian and go, man, that, that's pretty. It's got a lot of colors on there. And he goes, well, let me tell you what these mean. This is my... Um, Airborne when I jumped out of airplanes and I got this award and this was this war and this one was this war and this was this accommodation this was my sharpshooting this was my uh, my medal of honor all these all these medals and I look at it and go wow now what's amazing is a soldier when they walk they when Ed walks in as a civilian we go oh, that's a neat jacket but a soldier knows what those things are. And when Ed walks in wearing that, a soldier looks at him and goes, right there, that's a soldier right there. You know what, I wonder if that's what heaven's going to be like for us. As we serve the Lord together and as we honor the Lord in our day, if, if we're going to be in heaven and, and we're going to be like, oh man, I know what that means. Tell us about that. I don't think that's going to be uh, envious or jealous. I think it's going to be, look how we honored the Lord in our day. And heaven is a, is a life, is an eternity of remembrance. I think it's going to be a, a, I wonder if it's going to be like that. I, I, I don't know. We're going to present these crowns. And I think all through the parables, we see Jesus say how we live matters. So let's push one another to honor the Lord in our day. Faithful with the gospel here in Owasso and Tulsa and Sperry and Collinsville and Ulaga and everywhere we come from. Man, we need to do this. Because this is what Jesus is saying. Look, verse 43. Blessed is that servant whom his master will find doing so when he comes. This is one of the points of the parables. It's a recurring message. You may feel like, Chris, you've already said this. I know, I have. Because Jesus keeps repeating himself in these parables. The way we live matters, and we should push one another to honor the Lord. But look at verse 45, and this stings a little bit, and let's be careful that we're, as we interpret this, let's not miss the main thing here, but he says, but if that servant says to himself, my master is delayed in coming, and begins to beat the male and female servants, and to eat and drink and get drunk, the master of that servant will come on that day when he does not expect him, at an hour he does not know. 
and we'll cut them into pieces and put them with the unfaithful. Now, let's be careful that we don't look at this and say, oh, well, see, you can lose your salvation. That, that's, that's a misinterpretation of Scripture. Because do you realize that, that you'll, never be, you'll never lose salvation once you receive the gift of eternal life? It's, the Bible's clear on this. First, uh, Ephesians 1, 13 and 14 says this, when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, you were marked with a seal, the promised Holy Spirit, who is a deposit guaranteeing your inheritance. You'll never lose your salvation. And, and so, but this is a warning for us about, and he goes on, he says, and that servant who knew his master but did not get ready or act according to his will will receive a severe beating. But the one who did not know and did not and did and did what deserved a beating will receive a light beating. And everyone to whom much was given, of him much will be required. And from him to whom they entrusted much, they will demand the more. Now we have to wrestle with some of these and let them sting a little bit. But the bottom line with this parable is that we must be responsible with the work God has called us to in this place. And this is why. If we do our job as a congregation during our days, and if Jesus tarries, we will pass the baton and raise up a generation of people that will be faithful with the gospel right here. And that's what we must do. And I think it's important that we see this, that, that as a believer, we could stand before the Lord and dishonor him by the way we live. And when I look at, when I understand my role as your pastor and the pastors that are called to this place, that we are called to push one another to honor the Lord by the way we live, by the way we give, by the way we serve. And this is what we must do. This, this is why I, I'm not talking at you here. I'm with you. I'm more like the sheep than the shepherd. You know, I'm, I'm an under-shepherd. Christ is the leader of this church. And what do we do week after week? We come here and gather around his word and say, Lord, your Holy Spirit is leading us and teaching us, instructing us, guiding us, correcting us, moving us. Now, is there going to be grace when we stand before the Lord? Absolutely there will be. There will be grace when we stand before the Lord. We see that in this parable. Um, do we serve out of the Lord out of fear? No. Out of gratitude we serve the Lord. Because when we understand how much he's done for us, it moves us to say, Lord, oh, we can't, I can't not serve you. And I just, I just, I have to serve you because you've done, you've been so good to us. But, but as I read this parable, I have to mention this because it causes in my mind a, a teaching that Jesus, um, that Matthew recorded. And, and he said, remember Matthew 7, 21 through 23, Jesus said, not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but only he who does the will of my Father who is in heaven 
Many will say to me on that day, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name and in your name drive out demons and perform many miracles? Then I will tell them plainly, I never knew you. Notice Jesus didn't say, uh, if, you, if you backslid, I never knew you. No. He said, I, I never knew you. And I'm, I don't want you coming here week after week thinking, man, if I go to church, that'll be good. I'll get to heaven. Understand that salvation is in Christ alone, by faith alone. It's, it's, our, it's what Jesus has done, not what you do. And we've got to recognize that. But out of salvation, out of once we come to know Christ, we are moved to serve the Lord and submit to him and follow his voice and be led by the Spirit, be corrected by his, by his word and his Spirit. And, and folks, we've got to be ready. We've got to live as watchful servants. And, and so point number three is really we're going to end with a question here. And it's this, are we working while we wait expectantly? Is that where we are today? Are we working for the Lord? Are we honoring the Lord while we wait expectantly? Are we honoring the Lord in our, in our path to financial maturity, in our trusting the Lord of our, with our finances? Are we honoring the Lord are we, as we trust the Lord with our parenting, with our lives, with our marriages, with our, with our obedience to the Lord? And, and, I, and I think about this, that we're, we're called to be watchful servants. And, and folks, God's word is true. And Jesus is going to return. Shouldn't we be living like it? Shouldn't we be living like, like we really believe that Jesus is going to return? You know, we had a beautiful picture this morning in our first service. Four baptisms today. The whole thing got wet up there. It's still slick. I love it. I love it. When the wood warps, we'll get more wood over there. But, but you know, it was a beautiful testimony of, of a, a mom, a dad, a, a, a daughter got saved. A teenager was baptized. And, and, and I'll tell you, it was such a beautiful picture of people saying, Lord, you're my Savior. And my prayer for us is that we live every day. Lord, you're my Savior. You're returning. And we're looking for you. And we're waiting expectantly. But while we wait, we are working to honor the Lord, to share the gospel, to be faithful. Is that where you are? Oh, if you're here today and you don't know Christ, oh, come to, come to Jesus. If you, 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 like I remember when I was younger, my pastor, Paul Salyer, he'd preach on passages like this, and I'd be like, oh, man, I'm a little nervous. I'm a little nervous about that. Because there was a time that I wasn't ready. I wasn't ready. And if you're not ready, do you know that you could be ready today? From this day forward, you could be ready. Oh, I pray you come to Christ. Come to him.
you know, that's why we're here. That's why God brought you here today. Because he's communicating by his spirit that he sees you. He loves you. He died for you. Let's be ready. We're going to have an invitation and Josh is going to come and our altars are going to be open. And maybe, maybe for you, you need to come and say, hey, Chris, how can I get ready? What we'll do, we'll take you outside of this room and we'll let somebody open God's word and show you how you can be ready. Maybe you need to, maybe you need to come and just kind of turn your heart back to the Lord. Maybe you've been away from him for a little while. Oh, it's time to live with expectancy today. Would you come? Let's be awake. And if I can do anything today, this is an alarm clock going off. Wake up. We got work to do. Wake up.